0: The recognition and finding ways to, um, to assist people in an awareness of all the good and the possible and the beautiful and those things that can lead is, is one of the roles that, that artists can specifically play.
1: Plotrar here, another episode of the Conscient Podcast. I'm with Jill Weaving in Vancouver and a dog named Dexter, who's saying hello in his own way. Hi, Dexter. And hi, Jill. Welcome. <laughs> um, so I'll ask Jill to introduce herself. I've known Jill for many, many years in the arts funding world. We've had many exchanges. You received grants from uh, the Canada Council when I worked there. So we've had a long uh, Exchange and we just the other day we were walking in in the park and you you said some very interesting things that I want to pick up on but um, I'd like to start just just tell us who you are
0: Thanks, so I'm Jill. I'm I'm a mother. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister I never knew my grandparents, but some of that information comes through to me and I'm not a grandmother yet But you know that's foreseeable Um, I'm a great-aunt and those, those connections, I'm a partner, longtime partner, um, are also key to my sense of identity and my sense of, of uh, how, how I'm connected to the world, how I'm grounded in this place. I'm a second-generation Anglo-descendant living on uh, Coast Salish territory of the Musqueam Squamish and tsleil I've been a cultural worker in various uh, roles for most of my life. You know, artist, funder, researcher, um, administrator. um, And I have left long-time employment uh, for the opportunity to direct uh, my involvement in cultural affairs um, kind of by my own compass.
1: So a cultural worker, among other things, but certainly somebody who's been involved in community-engaged arts for a long time, and we'll get back to that. Um, I'm starting the uh, each episode with a question to my guests about um, the program I wrote, um, Reality, uh, episode 19, which I think you might have looked or heard. And um, so what are your thoughts on, on what uh, that episode was about, principally about accepting reality and... Uh, working through ecological grief. What comes to mind?
0: Um, I, I think the first thing that came to mind was appreciation. So thank you Claude for, mm. for bringing together so many of those different thoughts. Um, I, I find that um, my my curiosity about how we can actually find a sense of reality Right now, um, the, the amount of information that comes at us on a regular basis um, is is quite astounding and not in any way curated. I mean, you, you can self-curate by what you choose to listen to, what you choose to read, but um, it is a bit of a bombast as well, often. Uh, I'm extremely lucky uh, living where I live. You know, I have this little backyard that I've cared for now for 25 years and it's full of trees and birds and weeds. and. Um, so my sense of being grounded here actually took a while to establish. I, I um, spent my first years on the prairie and... And the coastal, this coastal place seemed foreign for quite a while, but now I I feel really quite grounded and specifically in the reality of this location, which I find really important, um, and and part of why what I did, you know, for for kind of twenty years working um, as the arts administrator for our our parks board meant that um, I established new relationships between the First Nations, whose unceded land we're on, uh, between the gardeners um, and planners of parks and green space in the city. So um, yeah, I feel my, my feet in this particular bit is firm and then my understanding of what's happening on a more global scale. I find um, that sense of what's real needs to be heavily curated and pondered on. Mm-hmm. You know, the the idea that climate change isn't here is so odd. You know, it's here when you hear about the fires in Australia and California, um, COVID, uh, and how that came about, i mean um, so so that's the part that i i, I find the gra- my grasp is maybe slippier slipperier
1: well, that is for all of us um, um what I, uh, I'm hearing from you is that you, you feel grounded, which is very important, right, to know where you are, who you're working with, uh, where, where, you know, as a settler, uh, all of those realities are really important to work from, and then you can figure out what you believe to be true <laughs> or <laughs> not. And, and sometimes it's about feeling what is true as opposed to reading what is true, because sometimes that, that instinctive sense of, I know this is real because I can feel it, as opposed to somebody told me about it there. But I want to move to the arts because um, the, I know that you believe very strongly in, in the role of the arts because you've dedicated your life to it. Um, but what do you think uh, the, uh, the arts contribute to uh, an issue as complex as, as climate change or how can it uh, address it through, through practice and through, through different ways that the arts uh, weave the way in society?
0: So I think that's um, the breadth And depth is is really quite astounding of art's role and and partly of course is how you define that word art Um, but if if you encompass uh, everything from you know the the film my octopus teacher which has has um, you know caused a new understanding for a whole ton of people to something that might be much more esoteric with a much smaller audience, you know in a in a institutional gallery or you know um, so I think that one of the key roles that I find is is that role of identifying and and bringing people close to ideas of, of what beauty is. And beauty, of course, is another one of those terribly contested terms. But if you go back to kind of ideas of the aesthetic that that um, drew from our experience of nature, all of our physical experiences, what we hear, what we, f- we taste, what we, we see, um, and, and ideas of how those responses in our body to beauty or this idea of, of, uh, you know, some kind of effective, natural, joyful uh, being. I think that's, that's one of the key roles that arts can play in this moment. Um, I think it always has had a role there. I think it's been very complicated and contested in Western European um, art, institutional art thought, um, as materialism and consumerism, you know, there was an attempt to, um, to escape those elements. Um, and if something's pleasurable and desirable, and then it's turned, of course, into some kind of consumer uh, idealized object, it's that's a complex trap to try and get out of, but I think it is interesting. I think class works works there it's it's um, because some of the roles of creating working with the environment you're into to, to um, enjoy it more thoroughly uh, some of those things like quilt making and African women who paint their houses every year and and Indian women who make um, who make the patterning, the rangoli on their their front doorstep every day. I mean, you know, it's continued in various forms. Um, I know you spoke to Beth Carruthers. I mm-hmm. think the the Bird Song Project was, you know. Um,
1: My guest today is Beth Carruthers.
2: When we were doing the Songbird Project, which is what we we mentioned at the beginning, which was you referred to it well, it was practice, was. Um, we were really looking for ways to have people engage with really big issues and complex issues, uh, which are known kind of colloquially in, the, in, the, in this world as uh, the world I work in as, as wicked problems that are really kind of unsolvable in a linear format and are really complex and, and um, dynamic. Um, changing all the time, so sort of perturbations in in the world in natural systems more than anything else, and how do we respond to those so and they're frightening because when when things when you feel like you have sort of a mastery of nature or control of nature, and suddenly you don't, you know oh you really don't <laughs> you know it it can be very terrifying for people and 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 at that time, people were really perceiving environmental quote, issues as, as, as uh, confrontational, and we wanted it to be otherwise. It was
0: before its time, <laughs> in many ways. We've, we've um, further explored, and Beth was involved, um, that appreciation of birds um, pretty significantly here in Vancouver um, in the last while with, with um, festivals around birds, involving artists like Paula Jardine and Kathy Steppington.:
1: Well, maybe you can give a couple of examples of artworks that you think have been particularly impactful um, in and around environmental themes.
0: That one's always complicated. That's like being asked which, which books you just finished
1: reading. Right? <laughs> but you've, you've produced so many or you've been involved in so many. Uh, and, you know, you've, you've talked about the, a number of them that, that um, are, are very close to the sciences, right, that are, are I- I interconnected with. Uh, and that's one of the issues we have in the arts now is that the, this whole cross-sectoral approach is, can be complicated to fund right? Because you're, you're involving the arts and, and other sectors and who does it belong to. And But in the world that we're moving into, this, this cross-sectorality is going to be extremely important so that the arts can play a role with the other disciplines, with the other sectors of society and, and combine their, their efforts, so to speak.
0: Yeah, and I think this is, this is um, key work and has been, I mean, we work together on the the Canon Council's first foray into artists and communities work, and we found in those in those projects the crossover into, um, you know, other realms and ways of knowing was was very strong. Um, currently, I am uh, on the board of of an organization called Earth Hand, and it's it's essentially uh, looking at it's looking at how the, the earth provides um, f- materials and local local earth <laughs> provides local materials for making. Um, we've done a project where we planted a section of a park with flax and we grew a shirt, basically. Um, we, um, the artists involved um, researched and, and um, reinvigorated hand technology for, for changing that plot of land and what was grown there into a linen shirt. Um, worked a lot with salmon leather. Uh, brought together artists, cultural workers... Uh, from Scotland, Norway, Alaska, and here, especially um, the Squamish Nation, uh, in in how you tan uh, salmon skin, mm. and it makes the most beautiful, softest, most wonderful um, leather you could imagine. You can dye it with with uh, different tree barks uh, that are local. Um, so. You know, cedar weaving, again, it's another, it's a technology, Uh, it's an indigenous technology, Um, and you make waterproof hats, all the cedar hats. Cedar expands as it rains, as it often does here um, in Vancouver, and keeps your head dry. So what are these technologies? How are we looking at um, what is local? And looking at, within that context, looking at what are, you know, considered invasive species plants. So how are these actually abundant materials uh, for utilization, for, um, you know, for weaving? You can weave with, uh, you can weave bio-netting and and uh, stake down eroding hillsides. Um, These are, you know deeply creative, deeply cultural um, ways of exploring where we are local, locally, where we are in reality, and all you have to do is think of that that tanker that just got stuck it's it was as big as what you know so many football fields or something in the Suez Canal and understand that climate change is going to affect water levels and and how we transport things, and that, in fact, all of that transporting of things is, you know, multiplying the effect of climate change to understand the importance of a local reality. And I think artists have a huge role to play in making us understand that and explore that creatively.
1: And whether you call it ecological art or, you know, whatever words we're using, um, it's the process that counts and, and obviously there's a product as well, but it, the, the process of engagement of communities um, uh, is a very powerful way, it's not the only way, but it's a powerful way to, to create art and to create involvement um, in a sort of tactile way, because people are, are literally participating in one way or another in, a, in an art project. Well, when, when you were speaking about uh, climate change, I was thinking about this coastal city of Vancouver <laughs> and how, you know, one day as the water levels will inevitably rise because a lot of the climate change uh, that we are experiencing is baked in already. It can't be removed. Uh, we can slow it down. We must slow it down. But uh, th- that's part of why I came to terms with reality because I, you know, with the, uh, there's a nice bee doing its business. Um, I find it's more uh, it's easier to, to address climate change once you accept the fact that we've done what we've done and, and to not live in, in denial of that fact those facts. And then the, the ecological grief comes also as a, a relief once you've you, you mourned what's already lost, right? Because some species are gone and they'll never come back and yet there's so much more to preserve. Environmental humanities professor, Jennifer Atkinson. Eco-anxiety and climate grief are sometimes framed as disorders. But in fact, These feelings typically arise from an accurate perception of our ecological crisis. It may be more appropriate to identify eco-anxiety as a moral emotion, a sign of compassion, attachment to life, and desire for justice. Our future remains unwritten. And by embracing the unknown, we are better able to reframe our thinking in empowering ways. Um, you, you were, When we were chatting the other day, you were talking about joy and I was interested in that because it's, it's, it's hard to find joy in all of this. <laughs> um, it's, 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 a, it's a difficult road that we're on. Um, but, but what are your thoughts about that? This celebration, joy, th- those kinds of more positive uh, emotions that come through art practice and, and in ways of engaging with the environment.
0: We need uh, something um, to n- not heal. I mean, we're we're scarred. We're we're scarred by that grief. We're scarred by the world is scarred at this point by by the way. Uh, the human animal has lived on it. Um, but we need to find uh, reasons to go forward, reasons to make changes, things to value. And I was thinking about joy, and I was thinking about, I mean, these words like art and um, uh, joy are complex because, you know, they mean something different to, uh, to everybody else. And I was thinking contentment contentment is another word that that's an important word it's been denigrated contentment you know there's no excitement in contentment but uh we live in a world that um, that aches with discontent and that is um taught to be discontent and yet um contentment is a key element of joy, this this sense of, of knowing that you are alive, um, that your breath moves in and out of your body, that um, you can look at the sky and every day it will be different. So I think um, these are the recognition and finding ways to... Um, to assist people in an awareness of all the good and the possible and the beautiful and those things that can lead is, is one of the roles that that artists you know, can specifically play uh, it's so intriguing because when you start talking about that then, then you find you swing you know, into all of the ways that word, you know, art, can runs. <laughs> it's like water, you know, on ground that doesn't. It's got one big trench, you know, that kind of everybody envisions in kind of some dominant way of what art is. But there's all of these other rivulets um, that happen about what what art is. You know, when you have a mayor's arts awards, do you include something for a chef? You know, an artist with food. What does artistry mean? Um, so, but I do think there's there's uh, some roles that are are quite specific that artists play uh, can play in this this idea of finding something that makes it worthwhile to live to live first of all, but then to live in a better way, uh, to live with with a sense of appreciation of of being alive um, and respect for all of the life around you and those things that are part of life. And um, ages ago, I was talking to a Simsham artist, Henry Green, and he told me that this term artist didn't even translate into his language, that the word that they had for what he was was a gitsunk. And that, even that didn't translate, because that literally meant people at the back of the house, people at the back of the longhouse. But that was where the people gathered, the people who made things that help us understand who we are. So the people who made the songs, the people who made, uh, in this case, because it was up north in Tsim as I said, the, the totems, the chief's chairs, the the regalia, um, I think that that's the part, that's the part of, of being an artist, that gets on part of this, this word that's gotten so complicated, that um, artists can really play, uh, helping us to know who we are, who we can be in the world, and, and helping us to see that i mean in another word and I, my pronunciation is is really bad so i won't attempt it A word that means we are all one in in um, and when they say we are all one that that's not just kind of like the song that has all the people from different parts of the world singing together, but that's also the birds and the trees, the plants, the animals, but also the earth and the rock. Because, and that's a word, that's another word that I think we really need. I think we need a broader vocabulary around a lot of this stuff if we are going to escape some of those things that are constantly badgering at our brains um, and reinterpret what what the experience of being alive is, because being alive means that you're going to die. And death means that, and with luck, moving forward, as we go back to a green burial system, that our cells, that everything that makes us up becomes part of the earth, gets compressed, becomes a rock, you know, is is absorbed into a, a plant and becomes a plant. So. Our sense of the human place in the entirety of the world, I think, really needs to shift. It needs... It badly needs to shift. And that's, again, another place that I can see artists um, playing playing a role. I mean, I have huge respect for, for other roles as well. You know, um, the Harrison's work. You know, how do you make visible water rise here in Vancouver? We have a public art piece um, under... One of the bridges, and there's different stripes of blue that show exactly where um, on those bridge risers the water will be at at those levels of of, of climate change of you and know, that, water. That's maybe
1: in. more about adaptability than than awareness, because maybe we've gone beyond awareness, and now we have to adapt to the to the word reality comes to mind. But but it is the the. the 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 highly likely physical changes that we are going to go through and and how do we continue to live good lives because I believe that we can live good lives but for instance in the arts community now there's a there's a debate about you know how should um, artists address issues of sustainability of sustainable practice like taking a plane and going for a tour and uh, of course COVID has both complicated and opened a door for us to to think about those issues more Um, deeply, you know. Do we need to to travel the way we did before? How do we use materials? How do we recycle them? In the theatre community there's a lot of of work around recycling sets and that's a small step but it's about the process of engagement of creating circular economies and and new systems that aren't that hard And, and artists I think are up for it, you know, because they're so poor anyway, <laughs> not poor, but, you know, they, they struggle to make a living. So they, they will adapt to when, when new resources or new ways of doing things are, are, are created. They'll say, sure, I can, I can be an artist in this way and that way. And so I, I have a lot of, I I agree with you there, I have a lot of faith in, in artists, but also in the artistic process to, to, to adapt to, to, um, what needs to be done. And, and it's mostly a question of empowerment. it's, 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 uh, letting those voices take their rightful place at the table of, of decisions, but also on the longer term in the education, world. So that, um journalist Julia Rosen. Society tends to see climate change as a scientific issue, rather than a cultural, and political challenge that demands our full humanity. The kind more often explored and addressed, through art. Anyway, Jill, this has been uh, so interesting that your name is Weaving and earlier in the program you were talking about weaving, but you're, you're very good at weaving together <laughs> um, uh, uh, your, your experience uh, in, in the cultural and artistic world. And, and I thank you very much for sharing your thoughts. And I, I would end the program because I try to keep it to about 25 minutes so people can, can go for a stroll and listen and not have the program be too, too long. Are there any final thoughts, things that you, that you haven't said that you would like to say?
0: Uh? I guess um, one thing I, w- I am finding um, and have for a while so valuable is, is writers, uh, especially writers who are looking at speculative fiction. And I mean, Margaret, Margaret Atwood said it, what, 20 years ago, that we all have to make, all our work has to focus on environment and climate change, um, you know, you hear, I hear that that echoed and renewed, um, and a lot of the, I find the speculative fiction, indigenous speculative fiction, Afro uh, speculation, but Ursula Le Guin, you know, I think back, you know, Silent Spring.
1: Right, Rachel Carson.
0: To read it is so fresh. Um, so I, I'm finding that, um, right now, um, it is kind of an essential way of understanding potential futures. Um, I just read a, a quick little synopsis of William Gibson's new book, and he proposes that um, most of those who are not economically really privileged Will not survive, and that that's just you know it's absolutely horrifying it 's heart stopping and i haven 't read it yet and and um, my God, let it not be prescient, but I think in order to change things um, It's important to see things that you've never seen before, to broaden that scope of ideas and concepts. And I think whenever we have someone doing it, I mean, Jane Fonda saying she's not going to buy any more new clothes. Well, I mean, you're Jane Fonda. How many new clothes (laughs) have you bought? But the fact that 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 kind of took something that a lot of artists are exploring in different ways and then broadcast it, Mm -hmm. Um, so I think appreciation of, of all the levels of, you know, people who are quilting, artists who are living in a store window and with three or four pieces of clothing and a sewing machine and and wearing something different every day. You know, um, I think um, all of these things are, are really so necessary right now. I think the arts are, are key to... Um, how we're how we're going to move forward,
1: and stories, and, and so many other um, forms of expression that, like you say, films. I've seen some very powerful films that, um, they they don't they don't convince me that climate change is real. I don't need that, personally. What I need is a bit of inspiration and maybe hope, and not hope in a light way, but in a, ho- a kind of hope that um, that sees see you can see a way through, even though we're going to go through great difficulty. we, we know that in future generations. One or two or three down the road that they will have a chance to have a good life, and that 's something we can prepare and we 've been working on but I, I do I do enjoy the occasional moment of inspiration because it 's tough work you know to to be uh, head first in these issues and and so many guiding lights writers and thinkers and poets and uh. anyway I think we 'll end it on that jill uh, it's that 's a positive note a hopeful note. Thank you for taking the time and uh, I'm sure our our uh, listeners enjoyed uh, hearing you speak today.
0: Well, thank you for what you're doing with this podcast. It's it's really exciting to have it available to share with people.
1: Right on. We'll continue